0: So, oh no, so with the official start of summer just around the corner, things opening back up, people going out, and maybe forgetting uh, how to act, I just want to warn you to be careful, or at the very least figuring out a way to avoid having the same fate as a, a man that I found in this video. Let's, let's watch together, okay? having an argument with a police officer, and oh no, oh my sweet God, you're not even being manhandled, you are being boyhandled. If a grown man picks you up like that, it is over for you. He is your daddy now and to be respected. But yeah, my advice as we open today's show is uh, go out there, have fun, make some memories, have some awesome experiences, but don't be stupid, stupid. Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And as I always say, hit that like button to support the video. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button for your chance to win $5,000 at the end of the month. And let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is celebrity news that actually matters for once. And it involves the Nelk Boys. Specifically here, I'm talking about Kyle Foregeard and Steve DeLeonardis. If you're not familiar with them, they have an absolutely massive channel here on YouTube, but also they're big everywhere. Also, if you only know them from my show, you might have a negative feeling about them because the last time we covered them, I think it was back during uh, people breaking COVID restrictions. But I think it's incredibly important, one, we don't lock people down based off of one thing they did in their lives. And also two, you gotta give credit where credit is due. While a lot of influencers out there are playing it fast and loose and really opening up their audience to scams. publicly spoke out against all these creators out there that are just pushing these bullshit shit coins, saying it's disgusting, don't fall for it, noting that it's essentially a pump and dump for a lot of these people. And also too, and it's actually the main reason I'm talking about them today, reportedly there was this shootout on May 21st. You had two armed people shooting and killing a six year old while his mother drove him to kindergarten. It was described as a road rage killing. The, The Orange County police had a reward for any information leading to the capture of the two shooters and the NELC team donated $100,000 to the reward. With others also chipping in, getting up to $500,000. And the big update to this story is that the California Highway Patrol has now arrested two people. 24-year-old Marcus Anthony Erez and 23-year-old Wynn Lee with a CHP saying they expect the two to be charged with murder. It's still a heartbreaking story. You can't bring this six-year-old back, but there can be a sense of accountability and or justice. And so in part with this, I have to commend the Nelk boys. There are a lot of people that just sit on their money, they don't do anything with it. But here, they they, they tried to be the change they wanted to see in the world. Also, actually on the same note of celebrities trying to do something good with their position, we saw a group of celebrities, including Billie Eilish, Katy Perry, and many others, urging G7 leaders to do more to share the vaccine supply. And saying, in this letter, the pandemic will not be over anywhere until it is over everywhere. And that means getting vaccines to every country as quickly and equitably as possible. Within then explaining that while UNICEF is delivering vaccines on behalf of COVAX, which is an international vaccine Vaccine initiative, the effort is 190 million doses short of where it needs to be. And noting that a UNICEF analysis shows that G7 countries will soon have enough doses to donate 20% of their vaccines between June and August without delaying their current plans. With all of that being enough to provide COVAX with 150 million doses, which almost gets you to where they need. Right, because some places are falling behind, while well, continents like North America and Europe have administered 64 and 52 doses per 100 people respectively. In Asia, that's 27 per 100, and in Africa, just 2.8 per 100. And the situation is also why we're seeing more initiatives popping up, with the MasterCard Foundation announcing this morning that they plan to donate $1.3 billion to aid Africa's response to the coronavirus, with that funding reportedly set to be distributed over the course of three years, and it's intended to acquire vaccines for 50 million on the continent, as well as improve the manufacturing and delivery systems for the doses and public health institutions overall. Then we should definitely really talk about massive news involving the streaming wars, and specifically, I'm talking about areas of user-generated content, right? Not, not Netflix, Hulu, or Disney+, Uh, but rather a space where you normally would think of a Twitch or a YouTube. But actually today, the news is coming from Facebook, which is actually a relatively large player in the streaming space. Over the next two years, they could become an even bigger player in the space because yesterday you had Facebook's gaming partnerships manager, John Maresca making the announcement saying, we're doubling down on creators. Facebook has waived all rev share from subscriptions until 2023. Yeah, you read that correctly. You'll continue to receive 100% of your subscriptions when purchased on desktop, which is absolutely massive news. The the default split over on Twitter Twitch is 50%, I believe YouTube is relatively the same. And in addition to that, you also had Mark Zuckerberg yesterday, right before Apple had their WWDC event, saying they will not take a cut of creator revenues until 2023. And adding that includes paid online events, fan subscriptions, badges, and our upcoming independent news products. And adding, when we do introduce a revenue share, it will be less than the 30% that Apple and others take. And following these announcements, we saw some Twitch creators saying, okay, Twitch, your turn. But as of right now, it remains to be seen if a Twitch or a YouTube would change anything. I mean, in my my eyes, Twitch's superpower is the fact that anyone with an Amazon Prime subscription can subscribe to someone for free. It's really hard to beat that given how many people have Amazon Prime accounts. And as far as YouTube, I mean, it, it's been the same conversation for, I mean, the entire time that I've been on the internet. You can go other places where potentially they will give you more money, but we largely use YouTube because that's where everyone is. Ecosystem, user experience, and community. That is what makes a platform successful or not. I mean, if you could just throw money at big creators and then everyone would migrate. I mean, Mixer would still be around. Uh, How many other sites could I reference here? But it's still pretty damn awesome that Facebook's doing this and it will be interesting to see if it lures any creators away. Then uh, wouldn't it be crazy if, you know, one of those uh, encrypted private messaging apps, it was actually secretly run by the FBI? Well, it, it turns out at least one of them was, and it has led to the arrest of at least 800 people in over a dozen countries. Right, it was this massive sting operation known as Trojan Shield. It was run in coordination with the Australian police and numerous other European law enforcement agencies. The sting relied on custom cell phones that were bought on the black market that had been installed with a program called Anna. People who bought the phones believe that their devices were secured with encryption, but every message was actually directly sent back to law enforcement agents. And as far as how all these criminals came to trust an app that was actually being run by the FBI, it's interesting. According to a recently unsealed federal affidavit, the FBI was initially able to hijack the platform by compromising a high-level criminal who was involved in developing products for the encrypted communications industry, with that criminal also having previously distributed both Phantom Secure and Sky Global devices to transnational crime organizations. he so had built-in trust there, and then you had law enforcement officials saying that the devices grew in popularity among criminal syndicates in large part because criminals then began vouching for the app and encouraging others to use it. With the users of these phones allegedly trusting them so much that they often just spoke about illegal plans and plain language and not code. And this wasn't like some smash and grab quickie operation. For years, the phones were used all over the world for international drug shipments, arms trafficking, discussing contract killings. I mean, among other things. With officials saying that raids in recent days have led to the seizure of over eight tons of cocaine, 22 tons of marijuana and hashish, two tons of meth and amphetamines, 250 firearms, 55 luxury vehicles, more than $48 million in cash and crypto. Plus you had police saying they had shut down a number of possible homicide plots, including one involving plans to shoot a family of five in a cafe. With all this you also had Europol announcing in a statement that countless spinoff operations will be carried out in the weeks to come well obviously you know we, we've seen these arrests made the, the story is public, the, the use for Anom is probably gone. This unsealed document also said that there was another goal, to shake the confidence in this entire industry because the FBI is willing and able to enter this space and monitor messages. But at the same time, we've also seen a number of people speaking up and saying this actually concerns them. Because you know, a lot of people use encrypted apps because they don't trust their governments. Some in you know third world countries or internationally, but also here in the States. Our country and leaders proved a while ago, they are not to be trusted. But we've also seen people push back on those concerns, that the specific instance that we're talking about is an app that was almost exclusively used for drug dealers and, and criminals, Alright, It wasn't like the FBI had a backdoor into Signal, which is much more widely used. But yeah, with that said, and with that debate going on, I, I would really love to know where you stand on this. But from that, I wanna take a quick second and thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Wink. Wink is revolutionizing the way that we discover, buy, and share high quality wines that are 10 times more affordable than your typical niche wines. They work directly with vineyards and winemakers so you can get exclusive access to exceptional small lot wines, to your doorstep. And Wink wants to help you do wine your way. No matter your diet or values, Wink has wines that you'll feel good about enjoying. They have a ton of low sugar, sustainable, and even vegan options. On a personal note, Linz and I recently enjoyed a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc called Outer Sounds, and it was honestly the perfect match with our date night dinner. Which, I mean, on that note, Wink introduces you to new wines that match your taste and equip you with new wine knowledge that you can use to impress friends and family. And fantastically, right now, you can get four bottles for $29.95. That's up to 75% off retail price. Plus, you'll get free shipping with my exclusive link, trywink.com slash defranco2021. So what are you waiting for? Unless you hate quality wine getting delivered straight to your door, this Wink offer is really a no brainer. Just click that link down below to check it out. And then in international news, we should definitely talk about the president of France, Emmanuel Macron getting slapped in the face. (laughs) Ah. Ah. Right in this, happening during an impromptu meet and greet, he grasped arms with someone in the crowd, he got slapped in the face. During the incident, the 28 year old also yelled for the end of Macrony, a dismissive name for Macron's politics. Also yelling a a monarchy era battle cry that became somewhat of a meme after it was featured in a comedy film from 1993. So you had some people saying it was unclear if he was sending a political message or he was just memeing. As far as Macron, he seemed to be quick to shrug it off saying that it was an isolated incident, that it should be put into perspective. He actually continued talking and meeting the crowd and later told a local paper, the overwhelming majority of French people are interested in substantive issues. And adding that a minority of ultra violent individuals should not take possession of the public debate. Now, as far as the man that attacked Macron, uh, he has been arrested as well as someone that was with him. And what I will say is interesting about this is it seems to have brought people at least together, even if just for a moment, right? Like you have everyone from the, the French prime minister and ally of Macron telling the national assembly, politics can never be about violence, verbal aggression, and even less about physical aggression. I call for a Republican awakening. We are all concerned the foundations of our democracy are at stake." Right, all the way to far-right leader Marine Le Pen, I mean, Macron's biggest opponent, condemning the incident, saying, "'It is unacceptable to physically attack the president of the Republic or political representatives, but especially the president. I am Emmanuel Macron's main rival, but he is the president of the Republic, and as such, we can beat him politically, but we cannot accept the slightest violence towards him.'" Then, in other international news, we should definitely talk about Vice President Kamala Harris facing backlash after comments that she made to Guatemalans while visiting the country. But Harris admitted that while in the country, she was especially blunt when speaking to the president there, telling reporters, we don't have time for glossing over concerns that we have, and so we did have a very frank conversation about the importance of an independent judiciary. We had a conversation about the importance of a strong civil society. There is also telling a round table of human rights activists and civil society leaders of the, quote, impact that the lack of judicial independence can have on civil society, especially with regard to the highest courts in the land. With that being a definitely not so subtle jab at the president of Guatemala, who has faced criticism from the United States for supporting his Congress's efforts to block a notable anti-corruption judge, from getting a seat in the country's constitutional court. But what ended up getting Harris into hot water was when she spoke about immigration, saying, the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home, and adding. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. So let's discourage our friends, our neighbors, our family members from embarking on what is otherwise an extremely dangerous journey. And while those comments were appreciated by people that are more conservative on this issue, it got a lot of pushback from politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who wrote, this is disappointing to see. First, seeking asylum at any US border is a 100% legal method of arrival. Second, the US spent decades contributing to regime change and destabilization in Latin America. We can't help set someone's house on fire and then blame them for fleeing. Although there some have pointed out that Harris was specifically speaking of illegal crossings, not asylum seekers. With Harris herself also being quick to push back against such criticisms, saying, I'm really clear, we have to deal with the root causes and that is my hope. Period. Also while there, Harris announced initiatives to help young indigenous female entrepreneurs. And actually those comments back up a bigger initiative by the Biden administration, which hopes to push private businesses into investing in the region. And that's also a notable difference between Biden and the Obama administration, which specifically focused on more direct aid, which I mean, Obama's policies there actually got criticized for exactly that saying that it doesn't help the underlying problems facing Guatemalan. And to that end, the administration pledged to send $310 million in humanitarian aid to Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador. The administration also planning another $4 Dollars over four years to help stabilize the region. And then finally, today we should talk about the first congressional report on the January 6th insurrection being released today because it is hands down the most comprehensive detailed account to date of the numerous security failures and miscommunications. So among other things, the probe, which was conducted by two bipartisan Senate committees, shows that US Capitol Police and other agencies had collected much more intelligence and much earlier intelligence than previously known. And perhaps most significantly, the 127-page report revealed that the authorities had specific intelligence as early as December 21st that Trump supporters planned an armed insurrection of the Capitol on January 6th. This including information from the Capitol Police Intelligence Unit that Trump supporters planned to bring guns and other weapons to the Stop the Steal rally and then use them against law enforcement officers. And also that some of those people were sharing maps of the Capitol complex and tunnels online and discussing the best ways to enter and seal lawmakers inside. But despite those alarming indications, USCP failed to widely circulate its own internal intelligence. In fact, two separate security assessments from December 23rd and December 30th, made no mention of those findings. And it wasn't just USCP. An FBI memo from the day before the insurrection literally warned that there were people traveling to DC for war at the Capitol. But that also never made its way to top law enforcement officials. The report also saying that the failure of law enforcement officials to take the threats seriously was coupled with a dysfunctional Capitol Police force lacking the resources, capacity, and training to properly deal with the attack. Also outlining 20 recommendations for the Capitol Police, including calling for better planning, training, and an intelligence gathering. Well, we saw the agency today saying a statement that it welcomed the Senate analysis. It also defended its response and claim that there was a lack of information regarding a threat, despite the fact that we know otherwise. Adding, the USCP consumes intelligence from every federal agency. At no point prior to the 6th did it receive actionable intelligence about a large-scale attack. But with that said, I mean, very notably, this is likely the closest thing that we're gonna get to a bipartisan effort in Congress to study the insurrection. This report comes from three months of interviews, reviews, and testimonies, but we still have a situation and a whole environment where Republicans have blocked a proposal for an independent commission to study the event and make recommendations. And so as a result, the probe was limited scope because republicans refused to ask questions about january 6th that could result in i don't know unflattering information about trump or other members of the gop that enabled him. and i'll say ultimately with this story or really anything else stood out to you today i'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below because this is the end of today's show as always thanks for being a part of the family watching the video liking it subscribing all the good stuff if you're looking for more to watch it you covered right here or in those links down below but With that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.